This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore and the Catholic Review. Later on the show, Christopher Gunty will talk with Father Dan Dorsey, President of the Glenmary Home Missioners, about the work of the Glenmary Priest and Brothers in rural areas across the country. But first, we're delighted to speak with Carrie Wallace, author of a new children's book about Catholic saints called Stories of the Saints, Bold and Inspiring Tales of Adventure, Grace, and Courage. Carrie will share what makes the lives of the saints so compelling, especially for younger readers. At the end of the segment, we'll also tell you how you can enter a contest to win a copy of this beautifully illustrated book. Carrie recently spoke with us via video conference from her home in Brooklyn, New York. Here's our interview with Carrie Wallace. Carrie Wallace, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Review Radio. Oh, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. People have been captivated by the lives of the saints for more than 2,000 years now. I, I remember growing up as a child and really being interested in reading about the saints and learning about the saints. What is it about the lives of these particular Christians that so fascinates us, and what, what attracted you to the saints? Um, well, I think there's, there's two different answers to that. I think part of what attracts us to these particular um, people is that uh, wonderful stories have been told about them for years and years. So one of the things that I like to say when, um, when we talk about the saints is that there are actually many, many saints who no one has ever heard of, right? And I think that almost everybody can name somebody in our lives who we think of as a saint who has been a saint to us, right? Um, but the ones who get, who get passed down through history, I think, are passed down because they have extraordinary stories associated with their lives. And um, I actually first came to these, wanting to tell these stories, because when I was a little girl in Catholic school, I was really fascinated with the, the myths and legends of other faiths, right? Actually, a, almost extinct faiths, like the Greek and Norse mythologies. And, um, and I didn't understand that the stories of the saints were full of that kind of adventure um, when I was that age. So I wanted to write this book to let kids know that we have those wonderful stories in our own faith as well. Typically, when you see images of the saints in churches, they're very otherworldly and sort of unapproachable and almost non-human. What did you try to communicate about who the saints really are? Um, well, one of the things that came through to me in these stories, actually, is that the saints are um, are sort of relentlessly human. <laughs> they're and and actually very hopefully human. The, the saints are often scared. The saints often don't know what to do. The saints often um, are running away from responsibility. Uh, don't feel that they're qualified for what they've been asked to do. The saints are often very, very much like us. And I felt like it was important not to put them up on a literal pedestal, but to explain that these extraordinary things were done by people who feel very, very much like we do today. And you have some examples of that. Uh, I think St. Gregory, when he was elected Pope, actually fled 
So I yes. There. yes, more more than one of the it, one of the interesting things about saints is that they rarely want to be pope. So, <laughs> um, and of course, there's a long, beautiful history of wonderful popes. But um, they they're typically there are several stories of saints who somebody tries to put them in power and they they run away initially, and then when the people beg them to help them as their leaders, they will come back and and step into leadership. Who are some of your favorite saints, and what do you like about them? Um, well, I really love one who comes to mind is um, Joseph of Cupertino. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that you see, this book is arranged in, in chronological order. So it starts actually with Polycarp, who was uh, apparently by tradition, a, a convert of the apostle John who walked the earth with Jesus himself. And it goes all the way up to Mother Teresa. And in the, the course of that, you see that the early saints have many more of what we would think of as magical elements in their stories. And then as you get to modern times, they're still definitively miracles, but they have kind of a different character and they don't seem quite as fairy tale. Um, but Joseph of Cupertino is relatively close to modern history. He's in the um, 1500s and his story is that he loves um, God and things of God so much that whenever he thinks of them, he floats. <laughs> he floats up off the ground. And this causes all kinds of consternation. It interrupts church services. The ambassador's wife once faints when she floats up in front of him during an important service. And, um, and there's no evidence that this um, gentleman ever did anything other than float, but he was in fact confined um, for a good portion of his life because he could not stop levitating. And I think that's, it's, uh, I think that sort of lightness of of faith and the the um, the humor of it is really attractive to me, and I also really love the stories of many of the female saints and um, even when when they've got very different stories. You know, Joan of Arc is a leader into actual battle. Catherine of Alexandria is a um, fearless queen, and um, you, then you get Teresa of Avila, who's who's like this deeply contemplative. Um, woman and I love all the different ways there are um, to be women among the saints it has been really important to me as well. I think it's interesting the way some of the saints have received their patronages as well like I, you mentioned Saint Joseph Cupertino I think he's the patron saint of pilots. Uh, the <laughs> yes. humor I, my favorite is Saint Dennis I don't know if you mentioned him in your book but Saint Dennis had his head cut off when he was martyred and he's the patron saint of headaches. So. Yes yes <laughs> There's a lot of humor in how that, yes, absolutely, and in, in who, who becomes patron of what. As you know, there's a lot of children's books out there about the saints. Um, my family, I have five kids of my own, and we have lots of different books. Some are really great, and many of them are really bland and not so good. What did you try to do with your book that was different and that separated itself from what's already out there? We tried to just tell the stories as stories. So I think that um, when you tell the stories of the saints, especially to children, it can be tempting to try to make it really clear that this is the lesson you should get out of it. Um, and we tried to do actually the very opposite of that. We decided that we were going to um, trust the stories themselves to tell all kinds of different lessons. And I think that's one of the things that's true of the stories in the Bible as well. You can come to the same story at many different times over the course of your life and take very different things that are all there in the story, but you only see them at certain times.
So we wanted to sort of let children and adults who come to this book um, find whatever is there for them at that moment without trying to tell them what that should be. Um, and also just tell a great story that anybody could love reading even if they weren't looking for a lesson, right? That, that would just be an, a fantastic adventure tale. So that's how we chose them. Yeah, and they are great stories. You did a wonderful job just telling it as a narrative story. It's really entertaining to read. Thank you so much. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. And the illustrations are just gorgeous. Could you tell us about the artists and, and how you came to this style? It's a very contemporary style. You don't see images of the saints the way they're portrayed in this book. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I love about this book is that um, boys love it. And I, and I think, you know, girls also love it, but I think it's, um, it can sometimes be a little harder to get boys interested in reading and get them interested in religious things. Um, so, and I think one of the reasons they connect with it is that Nick Thornborough, who actually just won an award for the illustration for this book in, in Canada, won an illustrator's award, um, is actually a video game designer. <laughs> And so I, I, so he has this very fresh contemporary style. He was actually chosen by the editor of the book because he had done very beautiful religious iconography within a game. Um, and so we thought, well, he can do this and he understands this language. But when he was given the contract, um, if you look at the book, you'll see some of the things are, are definitely harkening back to like the long history of beautiful imagery within the church. But he also is bringing the... Um, all of that with him and forward into the present moment and doing these extremely striking images that are full of beauty and wonder and um, emotion. Can you talk about how you researched this book and, and in your research, what kind of common themes did you find among the saints? Because you're dealing with a, a big range of eras that, that are coming from all over the 2000 year history of the church and they're different, very different people, but are you seeing some common threads in the way they live their life? Yeah, um, so the research for the book was going through and looking for the ways these stories have been told through history and then pulling all the elements of all the ways the stories have been told in different places and, and refining them into a single telling that, um, that was always based on tradition and history, but was oftentimes more complete and more readable <laughs> than in other versions. And the common themes that I found Part of what I was really interested in actually was part, one of the things I was saying with women is how many different ways there are to be a good Christian, right? You get some saints who refuse to fight in battles because of their faith and some saints who lead people into battle because of their faith. You know, you get some people who manage their wealth very wisely and some people who refuse to even carry money when it's given to them, right? So there are all, there's a vast number of ways to follow God. But within that, I saw two themes again and again. One was profound care for the poor among the saints. And the other was true love for God, um, which I think is different than um, love for the Bible or love for the rules, or like, I think all those things flow out of it. But, but I think that they had deep experiences uh, and deep love for God. And that's what animates all of these stories, at least in my reading and telling of them. So. Did writing this book have any impact on your own personal faith? Yes, it actually felt to me like when I was writing this book, it was less like I was writing it, more like the saints were writing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but I think one of the ways that affected me was that realizing how human the saints were um, both gave me hope that I could be like that, but also 
kept me from letting myself off the hook. Like I could no longer tell myself these people were so much better than me. How could I be expected to do these things? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's both hopeful and um, lays some responsibility on your shoulders that you might otherwise want to squirm out of that you too might be capable of doing um, some of these things that really change the world. If you, if you follow God and love him. And how can people get the book? Um, they, well, I hear that you actually have a copy of it there in the studio, so I think you might explain how to get that uh, a little bit later, um, but it can be found anywhere. It's on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. I always love to direct people towards their local bookstores. If they enjoy going to local bookstores, we should keep shopping there so they can stay open, um, but it's available anywhere books are sold. Well, Carrie Wallace, author of Stories of the Saints, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Review Radio. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was a delight to be here. As Carrie mentioned, we have a copy of her book that we'd like to give away. To enter for a chance to win, all you have to do is sign up for the Catholic Review's free twice-weekly e-newsletter that is distributed via text or email. It contains local, national, and international news and commentary, along with movie reviews, featured videos, and a lot more. To sign up for the e-newsletter and your chance to win a copy of Stories of the Saints, simply text REVIEW to 84576. Again, simply text REVIEW to 84576. All entries must be received by January 23rd. The winner will be announced January 24th on the Feast of St. Francis de Sales, the patron saint of journalists. Once again, to sign up for the Catholic Review's free e-newsletter and to enter for a chance to win Carrie's book on the saints, text REVIEW to 84576. Again, that's REVIEW to 84576. And we'll also have all this information up on our website at catholicreview.org. When we come back, Christopher Gunty interviews Father Dan Dorsey of the Glen Mary Home Missioners. I'm George Matisek. You're listening to Catholic Review Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The Baltimore Ravens and the Stephen and Renee Bishotti Foundation have donated $5 million to Catholic Charities of Baltimore as the organization works to meet the increased demand for its services amid the coronavirus pandemic. Stephen Bishotti said in a statement that the programs play an essential role in uplifting communities. Bishotti, a Catholic Charities board member since 2004, has frequently supported Baltimore Charities during his time as owner of the Ravens. The donation will benefit Catholic Charities programs, including Head Start and Early Head Start, Our Daily Bread Employment Center, Christopher Place, My Sister's Place, Sarah's House, My Brother's Keeper, St. Vincent's Villa Senior Communities, and Villa Maria Community Resources. The donation will also go towards addressing racial justice issues. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Catholics, although they make up about 20% of the U.S. population, remain at 30% of the new Congress, according to a January 4th report issued by the Pew Research Center. Catholics, again, are the single largest denomination in Congress, just as they are in the United States. Protestants comprise a majority of both the House and Senate, 55% of Congress, as opposed to 43% of the population, but are splintered into more than a dozen different denominations. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the virtual newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks.
This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. This is Chris Gunty, and today on Catholic Review Radio, our guest is Father Dan Dorsey, who is president of the Glen Mary Home Missionaries, a Catholic mission society. He's a native of St. Louis, and the Glen Mary Order is uh, headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio. He was ordained in 1978 and later served as pastor of two Glen Mary missions in southeast Arkansas, Monticello and Warren, before coming to leadership in 1999 as vice president of the Glen Marys. He served one term as first vice president and in 2003 was elected as Glen Mary's president. He served two terms before moving to the position of director of the novitiate and formation director, and in 2019 he was elected again as president of the society for a third time. Welcome to the show, Father Dan. Thank you very much, Chris. A lot of times when Catholics talk about the missions, we talk about developing countries, Africa, South America, Asia. Glenn Mary focuses on the home missions. What are the home missions? Well, let me just take a step back from your question there. And I do think that when I was growing up in St. Louis, surrounded by a whole Catholic uh, culture, my idea of mission would have been someplace far away with different foods and different ways of dressing and just different cultures and customs. But as we were reminded in the Second Vatican Council, by virtue of our baptism, all Catholics are called to be missionaries. In other words, we're called to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So how do each of us do that within our own lives, within our own baptismal commitment? And so as in Glenmary, our focus has been to be missionary to those areas of the United States where there are few or no Catholics, where there's a really high degree of poverty and um, lack of any kind of Catholic presence. And so that's where we come from. And instead of thinking of mission as far away, mission can be the person who sits behind you in the pew or your next door neighbor or someone who is of a different faith. So that's what we're all called to be. And Glen Mary just, our brothers, priests, and co-workers just lived it out in a little bit different way, uh, maybe a very different way, but all of us are called to be that ambassador of Jesus. Yeah, Pope Francis has talked often about the fact that he wants us all to be called to missionary discipleship, and in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, Archbishop Lurie has emphasized that as well, uh, looking at parish planning in the context of bringing people forward as missionary disciples. But when you talk about some of the poorest places in the country, I know Appalachia is one of the, those places where the Glenmary Order serves, but what are, where are some of those other places where that poverty is just so rampant? Well, I think, uh, first of all, it's rampant in rural areas. And if I might just kind of, I, I love the Diocese of Baltimore, and as you're probably aware, Chris, our founder came from that diocese. Um, let me give you a little history, and I think it's very important because to understand how Glenmary goes where it goes, because... Our founder, Father Bishop, was born and raised in the Diocese of Baltimore. Now, he was born and raised in the city of Washington, D.C., but that city at that time was a part of the Baltimore Diocese. It sure was. He was ordained in 1915 and spent his first two years of priestly ministry in a place, a church called the Shrine of the Sacred Heart. He was then transferred as the pastor in a small town. I understand now it's a very thriving urban area, but uh, in the small town of Clarksville, Maryland, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with. Absolutely. 
he became familiar of all the challenges and the difficulties of rural life. And in his 20 years, he was always very mission-minded, but in his 20 years as the pastor of Clarksville, his mission and sense of mission began to expand exponentially. And then he began to see that there were vast areas in the United States where there was no Catholic presence. And these areas were rural, and these areas also were uh, very underserved by the Catholic Church and tended to be poor. Now, you have to understand that there's this great, even today, seismic change that's going on in our country. And basically, most rural areas, unless you're attached to a large city, uh, you're, you're facing lots of economic difficulties. So where are all these poor? Well, mostly, as Glenn Mary, we only work in rural areas. But almost all the rural areas, again, that are not attached to a large city in the south and in Appalachia, almost all of them are poor and have lost lots and lots of jobs and lots and lots of population, even over the past 30 or 40 years. So Father Bishop's vision was to go to these areas and to begin the, the, the richness of the Catholic faith in these areas and to share the good news of Christ. But also to not only share um, from a religious standpoint, but the, the whole breadth of who we are. And one of the things I always like to, uh, you mentioned Pope Francis just a few seconds earlier. I always think, you know, he, when he uh, when he spoke and he wrote about the, the, we need to smell like the sheep. I think Glenmary missionaries are very much, that is our uh, um, terrorism. We go out and we are in with the people, whether they're Catholic, not Catholic, whether they're um, unchurched, churched, uh, we go out and we are a part of the people. So we really embody in many ways that uh, vision and that charism of smelling like the sheep, perhaps not the most um, uh, <laughs> fragrant, but, you know, but we that is, I think, one of our very unique customs to be out in the midst of people and working and especially with those who are poor. I recall our our friend, uh, you know him well, of course, Father John Rausch, who was involved very much in the Catholic Press Association over the years. And uh, we got to visit part of uh, the area in Appalachia that he ministered to in Kentucky uh, one time. And he showed us some of the work that Glenn Mary was doing, not just uh, bringing the faith to people, but bringing solar power to their homes, you know, so that they, because they were off the grid, literally living off the grid because they, they didn't have access to, to electricity and, and how Glenmary was involved in these efforts to, to bring power to them. Uh, is, are those the kinds of concrete things, tangible things that Glenmary gets involved in, in addition to bringing people to faith? Yes, we, uh, and that would be, uh, yeah, Father John died last year in February. Very he did. Friendly. But, you know, and again, it's, it's, Father Bishop, our founder, and again, I can't emphasize enough what a great gift he was to the church. He would have been the person you would have thought would have been least likely to found a Catholic mission community because he was so shy, so retired, but he had a vision. And part of this vision was to see that, that the Catholic faith is so rich and to bring that. And so even with um, as we go to a place, one of the things that he said, and I've always thought is one of the richness of what his charism was. He said, you know, when you go into a county, Glenmary typically works in counties, is you're there to serve everyone. You're there to serve not only the small Catholic population, but you're there to serve everyone. So if there are people without power and 
we do want to have the uh, the care of creation and how can because again people in rural areas tend to be very underserved and they tend to be forgotten by not only church but also by government and so that's why we go so whether it's going start opening up a food bank or bringing solar power or I, I love one of our guys one of our brothers uh, was in a county in eastern Tennessee he went to 82 the 82 churches in that county and he visited everyone he was known by his first name brother Craig and just that presence and he would explain when people asked him they loved him and he would explain what the Catholic faith was all about and that is the way that Glen Mary evangelizes so whether it's through solar power or whether it's through visiting other churches that is how we try to embody and reach out to those who are on the fringes. That is great work that uh, the Glen Marys are doing. And we want uh, the rest of this year, we're going to try to talk to more Glen Mary missionaries as we go along to get a sense of the, the work that you're doing. But if you could kind of sum up, we've got just a little bit of time left. Uh, if, if you could sum up, what's the most important thing that you think Catholics in the Baltimore and Washington areas would need to know about home missions? I think, first of all, the most important thing would be that mission is very broad and that there are truly missionary needs here in our own country. If your listeners would like, you could visit our Glen Mary, that could explain it much better than I, our Glen Mary website, which is www.glenmary.org. That's glenmary.org. But it's that to, to have a passion for mission and to see that mission is not only extended far beyond our borders, but it's within our borders. And to see that and to like you all have had this great gift of this great missioner who was nurtured and born and raised in the Baltimore Diocese. That's great. We have been talking today with Father Dan Dorsey. Father Dan is president of the Glen Mary Home Missioners, a Catholic mission society founded and headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio. Thanks so much for being with us today, Father Dan. Thank you, Chris, for having me. I'm willing to come on anytime. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you so much. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio as we prepare for the week ahead 
Let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.